Hey there, and welcome back to another bonus episode of the Clarity Podcast. I'm so excited to be with you here today. Have the phenomenal opportunity to sit down with my friend, Pastor Arnold Bracey. Um, him and I met uh, quite a few years back. He's been on the podcast. Uh, this is his third appearance, so uh, three times he he has he has the most appearances so far. But wanted to sit down and have a conversation with him. You know, something I have realized, and we'll get in as we talk in the conversation, is uh, is this situation we see going on back in the United States. Um, with George Floyd and the injustice was taking place there, it's made me realize that um, our teams are, we desire diversity on our teams, but at the same time, we focus, or Aaron Santamire's focused a lot on um, learning Malagasy culture and learning the language here, but um, on our teams maybe have not, uh, have gave, approached it more as a homogenous unit rather than understanding we come from diverse backgrounds and not um, engaging, trying to understand, hearing about maybe past hurts, past experiences, um, where we grew up and, and understanding maybe what that looked like and maybe how that has shaped the way we see the world in different ways and trying to understand so we can care for each other. The purpose of this podcast is, is to, to understand how we can care for each other better as um, overseas workers, as we try, sh- desire to share the gospel of Jesus Christ around this world to different cultures, how we can learn to care for each other better and not allow our silence to be hurtful, not allow our um, lack of understanding. Or, you know, honestly, I, I took the position of learner with this with Pastor Arnold because honestly, I don't understand the issue. I'm embarrassed to say it, but I don't understand the issue as well. And I wanted to sit down with him and just say, I want to learn from you. I want to hear your wisdom as my my friend, um, somebody who I look up to and respect and um, just wanted to learn from, and I'm a brother in Christ. And so we had a transparent conversation that I think will be valuable um, for you. It'll be valuable for our teams around the world as we um, seek to stand in unity against injustice and seek to um, care for each other in this process. And so just want to thank Pastor Arnold for being on the podcast with us today and uh, this special episode. So I hope it encourages you as much as encourage me just to learn how I can grow and how I can stand beside my brothers and sisters in Christ. So no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Well, it's great to be back today on the Clarity Podcast with my friend and the three-time um, returning guest, a third time on the podcast today, Pastor Arnold Bracey, and who um, is a, a pa- the care pastor in, in Bowie, Maryland, a friend of mine, and uh, someone that um, I want to learn and grow from. He's taught me a lot so far, and I'm looking forward to learn from, from more from him today. As we know that um, as many of our uh, overseas workers have, have seen what is going on in the United States, and um, seeing the, the tension is there. Um, we begin to realize that um, we've done a lot of study on how to, to integrate into the cultures that we live in. Me, Aaron Santamire, Madagascar, how do I, I minister and love the people in Madagascar? But I'm realizing I haven't done enough focus on the people on my team to understand the differences that, that we have. We, we're desiring to be diverse in our missions teams. We want diversity. We know that it is necessary. We know that there's so much to offer on a, on a diverse team. Um, and at the same time, we're reali- I'm realizing, so I'll take ownership for it, I have not um, done enough to learn about the differences that are there and how I can be part of a solution rather than being silent and um, contrib- contributing to be the, a 
contributing to the problem by my lack of, by my lack of speaking and my silence. As we were talking a little bit earlier before, um, I've been blessed to be in a congregation that um, is very diverse. I mean, diverse in all kind of ways. Um, people from the country. We've got we've got seventy flags on our wall that represent the different um, nations that are represented in the um, in the actual body, um, present and past. And uh, and you're right. You you hope um, that you would learn and you would you would move through it, but um, but when it, when it comes to this division point you made and, and just um, how we got here, it is definitely, um, in my mind, a, um, a, um, a principality thing. It's, yeah. you know, when you, when, when you look uh, at, at human history and you look everywhere, everywhere, there's always um, a division based on something um, physical, whether it's skin color, eye color, something physical. And I think the enemy just realizes if I can, if I can divide, like the Bible says, a house divided against itself can't stand. If I can divide, then I have a better chance of, of conquering. And so the challenge becomes, how do we, how do we break those walls down? Because most of us are born into an environment and in a culture and some of us don't come to know Christ until much later in that, um, in that you know, in that life arc. So yeah. there are there are things that have been developed and and um, absorbed, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, and it's what makes us human. You're you're, you're made up of the experiences that you've had, but to, but to be able to get to a point where, like you were mentioning, where you can discuss it is always key. Um, and as believers, I mean, we're the only ones with the hope for the solution and the, and the hope is always pointing it to Jesus, whether you're the, whether you're the group that's being offended or whether you're a group that's doing the offending, Jesus is the, is the, is the meeting point to come together and figure out, Hey, how can I stop being offended? And how can I stop offending? If, if that yeah. makes any sense, yeah. no, that makes, but, but makes a hundred percent sense. But but keeping it focused on Jesus is where you have to start, and then from uh, from that point, um, having those discussions about backgrounds people have and experiences and culture, because it's true in in a, in a country like America, um, this it, it's and and it's and when you sent me the email, I just thought it was so great and encouraging. I mean, anybody that's uh, that's in that global worker field you described is because they love folks, you know, yeah. so that's not, that's not w what the concern is. The concern is, um, like you said, the communication piece and just realizing where, where everyone comes from, you know, um, uh, I don't know if you know, I'm sure you know, Rick and Elaine Caswell, yeah. they are um, with us now in residence. And we just had a pastor's meeting this week and, and Rick said something that was so profound, um, I repeated it to, to our people when we had a meeting about this at the um, at the church, and he said, "You know, as a as a Christian, um, I don't see color. You know, I I look and I see people, and that's a great thing. That's that's a thing that we aspire to. But then the next thing he said takes it to the next level. Is he said he said, but I'm realizing sometimes because I don't see color." I, I can be missing out on them as individuals and experiences they have, because it's true, if you don't see the person um, for who they are in total, you may miss some pieces that make them 
who they are, if that yeah. makes any any sense. No, but but sense. all that all that comes through with with conversation and just dialogue and and just asking somebody, hey, I, even if you say I don't understand what's happening, that no one I don't believe whose heart is in the right place would ever get offended if somebody said, hey, help me under help me understand this, you know. So, Pastor Arnold, as we were we were we were talking in our emails, you mentioned you said this is a spiritual battle, and uh, and I agree with you one hundred twenty five percent. Would you just unpack? that a little bit deeper um, is why you, how we see this as a spiritual battle and how you see it impacting um, the United States today. Yeah. Um, you know, the first thing Paul tells us in Ephesians is the battle's not against flesh and blood. And when he says that, I think it's, it's, it's because he realizes the enemy's trick is to have us do that. The enemy is always trying to rob, kill and destroy. And he does it by dividing and if you can get someone focusing on what you you think the problem is, and if you believe that problem is a person, then it just plays into the to the enemy's hands. But when Paul talks about principalities and and those things of this dark world and, and you know, those spiritual evil forces, um, anything, whether it's this racism or prejudice, anything that um, that is going to generate hate from 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 one person to another. I believe falls under that under that spiritual battle battle principalities, and I'm sure um, you guys may know better than I that even in cultures where everyone looks the same, there's still things you know like the caste system in India, and um, we've got um, sisters in our church from Nigeria. You know, I, I had the um, great blessing to be able to go to Israel, and we went with um, some of our church members, and a few of them were from. Um, Nigeria, and they were telling me, "Hey, you know, if it wasn't for Jesus, where she's from, I wouldn't even be talking. I wouldn't be talking to her. I wouldn't be on this bus with her." And you realize, okay, whatever this is, goes beyond just skin differences. Mm -hmm. It's just a principality thing that that just has different forms. And and I believe the enemy wants people focusing on the physical um, instead of the spiritual. Yeah, that's that's good. That's good. To get real transparent with you, Pastor Arnold, when, you know, this is, there's been several events, but the most recent event with, with, um, with, with George Floyd is, a an African-American male or a black male. When you saw that, um, what did that, what did that do to your, in, to you internally? And how did you see that situation? And because um, you have police background, um, you have um, security background, you have multiple background, but the center of who you are is you're a follower of Jesus and a disciple of Jesus, and you love and care for people. And as I, I've shared, you know, uh, my mom, um, we were talking one day about the first podcast we did together. I said, if you could ever get around Pastor Arnold and see his smile, I said, he puts joy in your heart from from the get go. And um, that's a gift from God. And um, so when you when that this is all unplayed, can you just give uh, our audience the perspective that maybe we don't have being so far away and and be transparent? I grew up in Wally Ford, West Virginia, where everybody I went to school with looked like me and um, had looked like me. And so it, just give us the perspective that maybe I don't understand because of where I came from and my ignorance um, and stupidity and not learning and understanding yeah and it's i mean it's 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 hard to to um um 
to really hold someone faulted if you're just not exposed. I mean, um, um, I know when I was in the military and I would, I would meet guys from other places of the country and they would say the same thing. Hey, the only African-American I saw was, was like on TV, you know? So, so when you realize as a minority, you're not, your, your, your group isn't everywhere that um, is understandable that someone, uh, someone in the country would grow up and just not have the exposure. But for me, I'll, I'll start from the beginning. I grew up in New York city. So um, as a, you know, as a young African-American male in a, in the biggest urban environment we have, I will say this, my view um, is from someone who was introduced to the Lord at 10 years old through my parents. So hmm. I had a, I had the privilege to be able to um, frame this, you uh, 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 frame my, my skin color in, um, in light of who I am in Christ, you know? So, hmm. and my parents did a great job at it. My parents let me know from the beginning um, racism is a, is a spiritual thing. It's not against flesh and blood. So I didn't grow up harboring anything for any individual. Um, I grew up realizing, okay, people have put them in circumstances to make them behave a particular way. Because um, the other thing about growing up urban in New York, I also grew up around a bunch of different um, a bunch of different folks. There were, you know, there were white people and Asian. I mean, everybody in New York kind of lives in their own section, but when you go to school or whatever, everybody has to, has to kind of come together if you live in that neighborhood. So um, I didn't grow up just seeing only one group. So you can, so it made it easier to see, hey, all the people ain't bad that look this way because I had friends and, you know, and grew up. So exposure is key, but it doesn't change some of the realities like, relationships with police were were like non-existent you just didn't as a kid growing up you we, we were always taught hey you make it home something happens you get home and then we go together to the to the um hmm. to the police precinct or whatever it wasn't like the uh um officer friendly you know hmm. and and there was you know i mean everybody's a teenager and and even though you're a believer you wind up in places or situations and you get to see it up close and it just was kind of known and the police would say hey you know if if we have to chase you because we want to talk to you or whatever you know um you're not going to be happy when we catch you so so it's it's it it wasn't um um foreign but uh technology now and and these video these video on the phones um really is really is allowing a broader group to experience what um, what I, I think, Afri well, what I know African-Americans have been dealing with for a long, long time, and now people are seeing it, and and uh, and it's really taken them aback, you know? Yeah, for sure. Pastor Arnold, as I shared, you know, as our teams become um, more diverse, we have mission, we have work, overseas workers uh, around the world, and we desire for our teams to be diverse because we re realize that with a diverse team, we have, we can have so much more impact for the kingdom. At the same time, when you have a diverse team, you have different, you have different perspectives, you know what I mean? And you can't have diversity and everybody think like Aaron Sandemeyer. That, that's not diversity, right? That's just, you know, it, it never, not, and I don't want everybody to think like me because that's, there's so much to learn, grow from, and as we go forward for God's kingdom, if we go together. And so in this process, um, 
as our teams are becoming more racially and ethnically diverse, we're realizing that uh, we're, we don't necessarily know each other as well as we thought. What advice, um, what um, advice, what counsel, would, wisdom would you give us on how we can begin to learn about each other more so that we can be more effective for the kingdom and not allow the spiritual attack, attack that you talked about and allow the devil um, to divide us in these times? Um, for us, we find um, exposure to one another and just um, getting to know people and the experiences that have brought them to where they are um, matter. Um, mm. You know, coming from, I mean, being blessed to be part of a, of a, a super diverse congregation, it's something that we are intentional about. And you have, to, you have to fight for it. You know, one thing about diversity is, and people don't think about it, diversity is uncomfortable, you mm. know? And if you think about it, when you, you're putting a house together, you put the paint on the wall, you put the furniture in the place, it's the colors you like, it's everything's where you want it, well, and that's your house. But when you come into the Lord's house, the paint on the wall is the paint he wants on the wall. The furniture is where he wants it to be. And, and for a group of people to come together that are different, then it's going to be different. So music's yeah. got, you know, you're not going to be totally comfortable. The music's going to be, you know, what music people listen to is different. How, how people express themselves are different. But if you go into an environment realizing, hey, it's not all about me and my comfort, um, you know, um, let's see what God's got for us here. And it's true. Some people are quieter than others. Some people are louder than others. But if everybody's pointing, if everybody's pointing toward Jesus, you realize, okay, this is part of being diverse is, you know, you know, at some point I'm going to be uncomfortable and I pray that God makes me comfortable in it, you know? Mm. So, so that's, that's the challenge. It's not, you know, somebody had said the most segregated um, day of the week in America is Sunday because everybody wants to worship in a way that's the most comfortable for them. And, and I don't think God wants us to be that comfortable. Um, but anyway, um, and, and exposing yourself to one another, like in our membership class, part of, of, of completing our membership class is you have to find someone in that class who doesn't have your background um, and, you know, spend a, a, a day with them, either, you know, do dinner, you know, do breakfast or lunch, but, but just spend time getting to know them and and then make that part of something that you do regularly as um you know as a, a member of Cornerstone. So it is intentional. It is something that you have to fight for. And we've we've gone through ups and downs with it on both sides of the spectrum. We've had people leave because we didn't look enough one way. We've had people leave because we didn't look enough another way. But if we're looking the way God wants us to to look, it it allows you to keep the focus on where it needs to be. And, and that's on, on Jesus, you know, does that uncomfortableness ever get easier? Cause you talked about when there's diversity, it's, you know, there's, there's, there's discomfort there. And at least from my experience as Americans, we like comfort, you know I mean? We we're, we're all about comfort. And so in that tension, it's, it's just easier to be, the move towards comfort rather than the discomfort, but that's the value of diversity. It seems to me that we want that Aaron Sandemar wants the best of both worlds. I want diversity, but I still want my comfort. And what I'm hearing you say is we really can't have both at the same time. Is that, is, am I correct? Or, or, or is yeah, you, you, yeah I, I would say you, you can't have both at, 
at one time, but but what happens in, in my mind and that uncomfortableness that God's bringing, you're bringing it, you're, he's aligning you more toward him, you know? So mm. um, there are so many scriptures that say how we're moving toward how he is. Well, part of that uncomfortableness, I believe, is that move. And I would, I would believe at some point it's, it's not, um, it doesn't become uncomfortable, but, but you always remain mindful if that, if that yeah. makes any sense. For sure. For and, then sure he, and, then he, and then the other challenge is the challenge of, of different. You know, some people just have a natural bend. Hey, something different is wrong. If it's different, it's not right. Hmm. But sometimes different is just different. You know, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be wrong or right. It's just different. But I, I agree with you. If people deal with what's uncomfortable, they'll find, hey, this isn't wrong. I'm just not comfortable with it. Yeah. So like you said, in my mind, I'm uncomfortable. It's make it, I, it's wrong. I don't like it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And those are, those are easy traps to fall into um, because I think we're, we're uncomfortable with the, um, the, the, it's repeat the word, but we're uncomfortable with not knowing. And so I think yeah. we just fill in the gaps, even if we, it's not true. We just fill in gaps um, in that process. So how do you think overseas workers is we, we, we're working on diverse teams. How can we, um, how can we, how can we not remain silent when a situation um, uh, that has arisen in, in the United States with, with, with Mr. Floyd has come up? How can we not remain silent? Become, to be honest with you, Pastor Arnold, I grew up, as I said, in more of a homogenous um, Wally Ford and um, went from that with my arrogance and my stupidity um, from not understanding and then, um, and then moving on. And then I got into college, began, lived in Lakeland, Florida, a very diverse culture, worked with um, a diverse group of people, realized the richness and the value in diversity. But when it came to the subject of, of um, race and, and culture, I find myself just being silent because I didn't know what to say. Um, and I was afraid that what I was going to say would sound ignorant and stupid because that had, that had been, you know, 18 years of my life. You know, I mean, that had been 18 years of what I had brought was not understanding that diversity in culture. And my parents loved everybody that I'm not, that's not it. It's not, it was not my parents upbringing, but it was just coming from a homogenous culture. And, um, and I found that, and I felt myself drifting towards silence. And what I've heard is I've talked with um, some overseas workers they feel like that, you know, that their family, their, their overseas worker family has dis, is remaining silent and they're hurt by that. Um, what advice or wisdom could you give us so that we're not just remaining silent and, um, and that we have the courage um, to, to stand with our brothers and sisters in Christ and um, during these difficult times? And, it's, and this is, an, an, uh, I'm sure you guys have, have experienced just the, the, the difficulties of this because it's a it is a two way street and I think the one of the things about this video that was shown is there was no doubt it was you could see the wrongness in yeah. the in the video exactly but in but in other circumstances um, because there wasn't that witness a lot of the um, discussion was kind of, I'm not going to say he said, she said, but, but someone I believe may not f have felt they had enough information to actually discuss it, you know? Yeah. And, um, 
but as you, uh, the first thing I do is what you guys are doing is, is reaching out. And, and when you reach out to, to see how someone is feeling and processing someone, uh, processing something that, that is going to help a person say, Hey, maybe this is going to be my next step now, now that I, you know, now that I see this, um, I see this big picture, but, but there, the, the other part, and this is, um, is, is a challenge is if you don't have someone who can speak to both in a way that both sides can hear it, it's going to be difficult. For example, um, being African-American, when I, when I speak to other African-Americans in the, you know, that, that come to Cornerstone, um, I, I always say, you know, I understand how we've come up and, and what it's been like, but we're not hyphenated Christians. I'm not an African-American Christian. I'm mm. a Christian. So, mm. so you, so even from, from the part of being offended, you have to, you have to process it with the directions Jesus is giving. And you, and you, so, so that being said, you have to be careful in how you're venting also. It, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and I know it's, it's hard. I mean, there's, there's a whole lot of stuff. I know we only got 40 minutes, but there's a lot of things when it comes to being African-American and even a Christian that, uh, that a lot of um, um, non-African-American Christians wouldn't even know. Like, for example, in African-American community, Christianity is considered a slave religion. It's considered a religion that was um, given to the slaves so they would be subservient, you know, looking for everything in the next life and being humble and all this stuff. We know that is not true, but but it's uh, it's an appearance that a lot of African Americans feel they need to um, uh, address when they say I'm a Christian because of how it might be viewed from other African Americans who feel more of a I'm not going to say militant, but more of a um, uh, politically active, worldly active faith um, seems more um, um, would seem more effective to them, you know. Mm. But but our faith is our faith, and if we're trusting in Jesus to do what He's going to do, it's going to be uncomfortable for African Americans too. But the dialogue that the dialogue that you have, so you can understand where they're coming from, calling injustice injustice is. Um, what people are hoping happens out of this. And for me, from what I've seen, um, and it's a whole nother story about the protest and how extreme sides have hijacked the message at this point. But, but the very first protest was what you would hope you would, you would see. And it was a whole spectrum of people walking, not just one color saying, hey, this isn't right. Um, we need to make change. It was the beginning of the nation to come together on a topic that the nation is offended by, not just a group of people in the nation. So mm. um, figuring out ways to address that injustice um, is probably is probably what those next steps would look like for someone to be um, actively engaged in what's what's going on. That's good. That's good. So what are, what are some other things you mentioned um, the idea that the Christian, the Christian faith is, is part of, um, you know, it's not part of the culture and something. Is there other things that maybe growing up in Wally Ford, West Virginia, that I wouldn't understand is, is 
at how an African-American might see um, the church and, uh, and the Christian faith or things that, that I wouldn't know? Yeah, I mean, that one um, is, is probably, that one is probably the biggest one that, that you would hear that, hey, it's a, it's a slave religion. And that's um, how, how in some urban communities, other faiths were able to take a stronghold like um, the Nation of Islam and some of these different things in Harlem, um, where my parents grew up, because at the time, Christianity wasn't addressing um, holistically um, that part of, uh, of the faith. And I think in time, um, it's, it's, it's learned to, and we're still, we're still working through that now you know, mm. but it doesn't, but it, but it doesn't, um, mean we're there and we've made it. Um, we just realize more dialogue is necessary and, um, and, and to keep an environment that's safe enough for people to be able to express what they're feeling and, um, keep it pointed toward Jesus and what they could do to, you know, to, to heal. Yeah, for sure. What are some questions, um, uh, Pastor Arnold, that you would propose, say Aaron Sandermeyer is on the team um, and uh, he, he's working and he has a colleague that's an um, African-American male. What are some questions that I could ask him or if it's a female, ask him or her to let them know that one, I care for them. I love them. I respect them. I want to stand with them. I don't want anything that I say to, to be demeaning or, or to be hurtful. How can I express that and ask questions? And honestly, I'm learning from you. And that's my sole purpose of doing this podcast today is, is I really want to learn. I really do want to learn. I, I love and care for people. I've traveled around the world to, to live in Madagascar, to care and love on Malagasy's that, that don't look like me. Um, they, they, you know, that their culture is different. And I've done a lot of effort to try to understand that. But I, I want to understand my colleagues too. And I want, I want them to know that Aaron Santamire loves and cares for them. And, um, but sometimes I don't know where to, as far as what questions to ask and where to get that, where do I get that conversation started and how do I walk through that so that they know I genuinely love and care for them. Um, and it's not just words, but it, it is truly who I am as a person. You know, for me, it's, it always starts with, um, and I'm sure for you too, just knowing who someone is, asking them how they how they grew up. I think sometimes we have a challenge as Christians, like we were talking about that arc of people have come to know, people have come to know the Lord at different phases of their life. And I think sometimes as Christians, we don't want to talk about the things that happened pre-Jesus, you mm. know, but those pre-Jesus things still in God's um, providence are those things that made you who you are. And like, like Paul, I mean, he, he got a hold of him on Damascus. You know, the guy was killing Christians and doing the, you know, but all the things that, that led up to that point, Jesus knew Paul, Paul would have need to have gone through that to do what he was going to, to be able to do what Jesus was going to have him do in that next phase. But I think sometimes as Christians, we don't want to talk about the pre Jesus stuff because it's pre-Jesus and the things may not be things we want to talk about, but those things, if, if it's talked about in a safe um, environment can help you get to know someone and to know those things they're dealing with in their, 
you know, in their walk post Jesus, if that mm. makes any sense. For sure. So, some of the some of the best evangelists are the ones who who don't forget where they're from and just celebrate where God's brought them to, you know. Mm. And but I think sometimes as Christians, it's easier to try to say, I'm not going to I don't want to deal with any of that stuff. I only want to talk about, you know, the now moving forward. But I think there's a lot you lose about learning about that person um, when you don't, you know, ask them how they grew up, you know, some of the mistakes they made, you know, that, that kind of that I think from a Christian talking to another Christian about those kind of things really lets someone know, hey, this person cares. I don't want to try to hide all the things I did not like Jesus. I don't have to hide that when I speak to them or I don't have to um, have that face on or that or that, you know, that Christian dress on. Um, there are times when I'm struggling, I can feel I can go and, and speak to this person and, and they can understand, me, you know, yeah. that's, that's good. And so as we, as we walk in that and we're trying to, we're under trying to understand each other, are there some questions that, that, Pastor Arnold, that you think, uh, you know, or you wish maybe somebody would ask you that they're not asking you or ways that they could understand um, you or understand you encourage, as you, you said that the, the church is diverse. How do the, what are some questions that we might should be asking as a team, as a, as a church that maybe we're not asking that might help, help break down some of this, um, the spiritual attack and the the division that's amongst us. Is there some questions you think that maybe might really would help propel us forward in the right direction? I would ask questions that would, that would gear toward uh, their experiences, you know, okay. and, and however, however you would, however you would, would phrase it. Um, um, because Sometimes what happens is we want to start a conversation by giving our opinion on something. And mm. if you start a, if you start a conversation that way, you may assume the person is tracking with what you're thinking, but if you're wrong, you've 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 already ended the conversation by starting, it, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So 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 I would just have I would just always gear my questions to enlisted and that's the hard part. I don't think there's any canned questions because, for an example, my experience as an urban African-American is going to be totally different than an African-American that grew up in Mississippi or an African-American that grew up in Alabama. And I can say that because when I was in the military, um, what was funny is I found culturally I had more in common with white Americans from Chicago than I did with an African-American from Georgia. Hmm. That make any sense? Growing up in New York City, I can yeah. understand what well, I can understand what my my Marine buddy from Chicago went through with gang, you know, the stuff he had to deal with to to not be, you know, caught up in gang activity and all this other stuff. But I didn't have a framework to relate to the guy in Georgia who was talking about, you know, being in a band and all this other stuff. You know, yeah. yeah. So Thanks. it's hard to it, it's hard to have canned questions. But the questions have to start around what you know about that person in the background and then try to draw who they are out of out of what you know about them. Good deal. Pastor Arnold, what are some of the things you're doing at the, in, in your personal life and at the church 
um, and um, for your family in this time to care for your family, to care for the people in the church, to pray the people that you work with, your your community. What are some things that that you are doing that maybe we can learn from um, to help us learn from you and gain from your wisdom during a, a time where there's racial tension? Um, yeah, I just think it'd be valuable to know what you're doing um, personally and in ministry and in work so we can maybe mirror that as we walk forward. Well, the um, the best thing that, that I think anybody could ever do, um, well, at all times, but especially in a time of crisis, is you have to model what you're, you have to model what you believe, you know? Hmm. Um, um, if it's a time to be humble, you need to be humble. If it's a time to be whatever, whatever that circumstance is calling for you to be, you need to be it and you need to be it um, in front of those that are looking to you for leadership and guidance. You should also do, and, and even at, at, at my home, I, we, we, we always try to have it to be a safe place where I've got an 18 year old daughter who's at home and um uh, wanted to be a want home to be a safe place to discuss any issue, any topic, you know, like um, she wanted to go down and I guess, and, and be involved in one of the protests. Well, from, from, from what I was able to see and glean from, you know, just some intelligence places, I realized, Hey, I know why you want to go and, and respect it. And it would be normally a thing to do, but what it's turned to now with these extremist groups, I'm just, concern for your safety and I would much rather you not go down there because what the message you're intending to bring um, others are really intending violently to hijack it so mm. so so you have to always keep those um, avenues of communication open in your home because if not my daughter could have just jumped in her car and just we would have got a phone call and she would have right been right downtown DC right in the in the middle of something you know yeah. So, so just for family, you know, staying focused on the Lord, scriptures came to mind when, um, when this happened for me, because like everybody else, I watched that video and with a law enforcement background, that technique that guy was using with that knee on his neck, that's, that's, that's a banned technique in most jurisdictions. I don't know anybody was still using it because of, of the known, um, how deadly it is, you know? So I remember looking at it thinking, if he doesn't get up off that guy, he's going to kill that guy. Yeah. And um, so anyway, so once you realize, okay, I just watched a human's, you know, a human leave this place on this video, uh, like, like anybody else, um, you turn it over to the Lord, you know, yeah. as a Christian, that's all I can do, you know, and God gave me Ephesians. He also gave me the parable of the wise builder, you know. You, you have to, but that parable says you have to hear God and you have to put in practice what he says, because the, the storm is going to come, whether you built your house on sand or whether you built your house on a rock, that storm was on both parts of that parable. But the, the house that was built on the rock, when the storm hit, that house stood, yeah. the house that was built on the sand crashed. And, and, and for me, that meant if I didn't take all the things that that God's given me as I've grown in him to, to lean on him and to know what to do and know what to say, my house is going to crash like anybody else who doesn't know him. Hmm. So, um, so that parable of just taking the things that God says and putting it into practice, you gotta, you can't just know it. You have to do it. Um, uh, that, that helps sustain me through it. Um, and then the other, the other thing that, 
um, he really pressed upon my heart was, you know, anger. There are a lot of things God tells us we should we should stay away from, we shouldn't do, like with anger. It says, you know, don't let the sun go down on it, you know, um, be angry and sin not. All this is because God knows there's a there's a spiritual component to anger. And if you feed it, you're gonna find yourself in places um that you never intended to be and 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 taking actions you never intended to do so so anyway god just gave me all of those scriptures to let me know how to how to process what i was seeing and and know how to pray and know how to deal with it but it's a spiritual battle and it's and the enemy's really doing what he does trying to divide and destroy but but you have to you have to be engaged, you know, you have to be engaged with your family, engaged with your, um, your friends and your, and your people to discuss it. You know, um, when this happened, Pastor Mark called me right um, as soon as it was happening to say, hey, Pastor Arnold, help me, help me process this, you know, um, you know, help me prepare to, 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 to bring this to the congregation. So, so God, God, you know, he never tempts you more than you can bear. You just have to, you just have to real, when, when, you, when the Bible says you have to trust in him, that's, it's when it's easy, but, but definitely when it's hard, you know, mm, mm, that's a good word. That's a good word. Pastor Arnold, will you pray for us today? Will you pray for sure. our, t- our teams around the globe, um, our teams um, in Africa that are that are realizing is is this, this situation has unfolded that um, maybe our teams are we've we've wanted diversity and we've strived for diversity, but man, we're realizing we don't know each other as well as we thought, and we want to love and care for each other in this process. Pray that we we grow in our ability to care for each other, grow in our ability to love in whatever um, other direction you'd like to lead to prayer. But we appreciate you, and thanks for being with us today. Sure, no problem. Uh, Let's go before his throne. Lord, we thank you for being the God over all things, Lord. We thank you, Lord, because you know the end from the beginning, all that's in between, and it's all in your hands, Lord. And I pray now for these, your people, Lord, the people that I always call your first responders, Lord, your first responders to unreached people groups, Lord. I pray, I pray for them. I pray as they enter um, into, into diverse teams, Lord, which I know is your heart, Lord. I pray you give them the wisdom um, that they need to process it, Lord. I pray that, that the unity that they show is just another facet of your love that's, that's presented to those um, who don't know you, Lord. I pray that you give them hearts to hear each other, hearts to understand, hearts to, um, to love one another, to share experiences that they may have only, that they only know through hearing, but they can experience, Lord, because the love that they have for their brother and their, uh, or their sister, Lord, I pray that you just knit hearts together. I thank you for those that are looking to know what to do in, um, in the face of injustice, Lord. I pray that as they ask these questions, Lord, that you give um, answers to their hearts to know how to respond, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord, you give them the words to say. Lord, don't let the enemy um, just try to keep them um, uh, silent because 
because of fear, but Lord, let them wait on you, Lord, on what to say next and who to say it to and how to say it, Lord. You provide all these things with your wisdom. So I thank you for this opportunity, Lord. Lord, you you bless me in ways that I can't even imagine. And I just humbly pray that, that these words and these discussions, Lord, just open up new doors um, for relationship, um, um, and places, Lord, where they're asking for your presence in it, Lord. So I pray a special blessing on each of them, Lord. I pray you keep their families safe. I pray you knit them together supernaturally, Lord, that you provide them with gifts, Lord, uh, in these places, in these times of of special favor and provinces and townships and um, uh, and any kind of area they find themselves in, Lord. Just open doors, Lord. Let lives be touched and come into your kingdom because of the work that they're doing, Lord. Lord, let them not get weary in the well-doing, but just keep them um, uh, keep them energized, keep them um, encouraged, Lord, um, in you. Give them vision, give them wisdom, give them all the things that they need, Lord, to do um, what you've called them to do, Lord, and I know you will. And in all these things I pray in your precious son Jesus' name, amen. Amen.